podcast is brought to you by the good people over at Gamefly. With over 9,000 titles for the PS4, PS3, Xbox One, Xbox 360, Nintendo Switch, Wii, and other consoles, there's no better time for gamers to make the most of their systems by using Gamefly to play all the new and classic games for as little as 32 cents a day. To start your 30-day free trial, head on over to cinemageekly.com slash Gamefly or click the support us link in the show notes for this episode. You're listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. It's a brand new episode of I'm a Doctor, not a podcast, Cinema Geekly Star Trek podcast. It's the Chief Petty Officer Anthony Lewis and the Fleet Admiral Ben Knight. Uh, ben, we, we took a bit of a shore leave last week. Yeah, I can't talk about it. Um, Stretched our legs. Well... I mean, I did. For, well, for listeners, this will feel like a, a bit of a break that we had, but for us, you've got to remember... You know, off screen, we're working very hard. Mm-hmm. We've got a lot of things to do. A lot of it's admin. I mean, yeah. you wouldn't appreciate that, but in Starfleet, yeah. there's a lot of paperwork. Yes. I mean, it's tablet mm-hmm. work now, but. Yeah, well, pad, pad work. work. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and. We've been busy, listeners. If you haven't, then you need to reassess your life rather than criticize ours. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if people were really upset about mm. uh, the, the time delay in between. Uh, the last episode in this one. I think they just need to remember how long it takes for things to travel along subspace. Uh, mm. It takes a while for this to get back to Earth. And a lot uh, of these relays are broken. Absolutely. Mm. You know, it's those things. Nobody thinks about those things, Ben. Um, so as a result, and, you know, God forbid we take a little bit of shore leave, okay? God forbid yeah, we spend why? a little bit of time on RISA. No, I'm talking, actually, you, listener. I'm talking, no, not, not all of you collectively, you. You, yeah. the one with me in your ears right now. Mm. Why are you being so critical of us? Mm. Just just look, zoom out, take a look at your life, perhaps look at other sources of podcasts, only within the Cinema Geekly network, obviously, not of, of outside course. of that. And <laughs> and just think, well, you know, I'm okay with it. They've all had a breather. It's fine. Yeah. There are other podcasts yeah. to listen to. Just breathe mm. and let it go. And let's talk about i tell you what we need. We need to talk about a sanctuary of some sort. Unfortunately, yes. Season 3, Episode 8 gave us that opportunity. Absolutely. The Jonathan Frakes-directed episode, The Sanctuary. Um, so let's talk about what happened in a book. Uh, Cleveland Booker receives a distress signal from his brother, who says that their home planet is being threatened by the Emerald Chain, a syndicate of Orions and Andorians led by Osira. So 
basically uh, their planet devastated by uh, climate changes, locusts. They're a bit of a, um, I guess, a, a farming planet. I guess mm-hmm. very in touch with, way. very in touch with the animals. Um, a lot of changes though. Climate changes thanks to the burn. Uh, and Booker's brother Kahim made a deal with Osira to repel the locusts in exchange uh, for what? What are these? Uh, Kujin trance worms? I think that's what you. Yeah. Is that what you ingested? Is that why you had uh, yeah, to go the, to sick bay the other day? Well, there were a lot of those about in the nineties. Um, <laughs> and the twenty three nineties. Yes. Yeah, that's what I meant. When <laughs> trance had a big comeback. And I don't know. My brain was cheesed about that, but it was a lot of fun. Um, there were other Nile gods there other than just Osiris, and yeah, who knows? Well, this this deal caused a rift between Book and his brother. Uh, civilizations that received help from the Emerald Chain often collapse. So Discovery travels to Kujan, and Kaim reveals to Book and Burnham that Osira wants Rin, an Andorian servant that was freed. Uh, I think that was a few episodes ago, right? When it was Booker was uh, was held captive. It was the who's the Andorian who had his uh, antennae cut off. Uh, I hate it when that happens. After a fight, Kaim agrees to disobey Osira in exchange for Discovery helping to repel the Locust. During this time, Discovery keeps Osira from taking Rin by attacking her with Book's ship. But she sees through the ruse and promises retaliation against the Federation before retreating. Meanwhile, in the B-plot, Culber studies Giorgio, who appears to be ill and is experiencing blackouts and flashbacks. Ben, what did you make of the sanctuary? Well, um, again, let's get this out of the way straight away. Oh, it's pretty. Isn't it pretty, though? Mm -hmm. I mean, oh, so pretty. It does look really Um, good every week. Yes. So it does. It really does. Um, okay, let's talk about the episode first before we point to the obvious reference to Osira, which is yeah. how we pronounce it with that many A's. Yeah. Um, which is <laughs> that, uh, yeah, this is pretty. I really enjoyed the um, the development of Detma. I really enjoyed the, what, the continued development of Detma, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed the, uh, the, the scrapyard scenes, which, um, like, there's a, there's a kind of resonance in. Like this is Discovery building a new universe, and yes. so when you look at um, who the Orions are now, like long-term Star Trek fans are coming to this in a different way to Discovery people who are just picking this up because it's a new thing on Netflix. Long-term Star Trek fans are looking at this and saying, "Wait, hang on, the Orions. We remember them as being at least like kind of in servitude, um, yeah. and there was always this kind of sort of sexual nature to the servitude, whether it's." Mm-hmm. Um, you know, dancing girls in the cage, or whether it's the guy with the butthole. More recently, um, and <laughs> no one can re- no one can erase that from their memory. Nope. Um, wreck on me, and <laughs> baby, and uh, now we reach <laughs> now we reach this, which is it's kind of revelation. This is the <laughs> moment where we realise, Syra, that um, that this is not who. Or the Asarians are not who you think they are. Yeah, the the Orions rather. Yeah, um, they are. They're certainly um, Orion women are using people's perceptions of them to to take the power in the first place. And yes. so, what you think you understand about them is literally the opposite of the truth. And I, I love that. I mean, that that's 
there are lots of people already, and yes, well done, internet. You can ruin everything. This is why we can't have nice things. Yes. Um, saying, you know, oh, but why do they have to all of a sudden be the empowered ones? And oh, it's just like when we've got a trans character and blah, blah, blah. I don't know if everyone in the world speaks with that weird generic northern accent but um <laughs> you know i feel like is, i feel like they've touched on this idea about orion women before like in an episode of enterprise they, they i was thank you you're, welcome. you're absolutely right no you're absolutely right it's 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 not new we've done this before yes. and actually if you go all the way back to the cage where there is obviously dancing orion woman listen yes. carefully to the dialogue i know that's not what you're doing when you're watching the dancing green woman yep. but listen carefully and you'll notice that that is also hinted at. Yes. They were quite progressive back then. Because they had Star to be Trek more hinted, but yes. Star Trek always did politics. And mm-hmm. if you still don't get it, you're a weird incel. And, and please just leave that basement once this year, even if it's just once. <laughs> um, anywho, yeah, so we get this new perception. What I'm interested in is um, we know from Discovery from the last couple of seasons now that they link to things with names now sometimes yeah. they link to you know there's references to other names within star trek canon and other times there's you know kind of more easy to spot links um within the real world and i tried first of all emerald chain and all i could get was um emerald necklace in massachusetts and i couldn't figure out what i had to do with <laughs> a lake um, I think so that's I something you got to pay for, actually, but I'm not sure. Go ahead. <laughs> it is on Orion. Um, but <laughs> steady. Uh, you know, if you want to go from down to Jamaica Hills, that's a matter for you. Yep. That's not smutty. That's just geography. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the reference, I think, that we're getting here is a bit like um, Gabriel in the last season where it's the red angel and we knew about people's names and spoilers yeah. if you've not seen that series i wonder if our character name here um with our big bad osira is a corruption of osiris maybe mm, the egyptian god yes that you've referenced yeah absolutely yes. so i i wonder if if that's where we're going i haven't yet seen an obvious reference mm. here because osiris is um well, variously described as the the god of death and rebirth and fertility and yeah. resurrection and all these things. Yeah. Um, and I can't see an obvious link here, but I, I'm just flagging it up that Osiris may be something to do with that. Yeah. What I do like about this episode in particular, other than all the things I've just said, is the fact that what we what we're now beginning to get is like all of the the the, the, the a plot and the b plot and <laughs> as my friend mark who was watching it described it the various other letters of the alphabet plots are sort of burning yes. away in the background is the fact that we're beginning to get the idea that um the burn is probably something to do with the federation trying to outstrip um well basically keep control of um, things going on in the galaxy. We know that by the mm-hmm. time we hit this point in Discovery, that the even the mighty Emerald Train are beginning to run a little bit low yeah. on Dilithium. We know that um, there's there's a sort of development of the Discovery crew a bit, and I think, and as as this goes forward, I think we're going to see more and more of the Discovery crew being this crew out of time, but also turning out to be the crew with the smarts yeah. because you look at the 
if you like, contemporary to Discovery, as in, so future, 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 uh, Starfleet, they've forgotten a lot of things or, or don't perhaps have enough knowledge about a lot of things that the Discovery crew do know. And I think we're going to see this little sort of theme creeping in of you forget your history and you're doomed to repeat it. And there's a little bit of that creeping into like the background narrative about the Emerald Chain and about their interaction with um, with the Federation. That I, I, maybe I'm reading too much into the subtext, but I, I get the feeling that the Discovery crew are the ones who perhaps have a slightly better insight into mm-hmm. um, in, into what's going on. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's difficult. There's not a lot in this episode of, of massive substance. No, there is not. Um, in fact, I consider this episode kind of a letdown. Like, I didn't think it was a bad episode. I thought it was good, but I was, mm-hmm. for the most part, the good came from the technical production side of thing. The show continues mm. to look good. It's shot well. It's acted well. This particular story, though, was kind of just there for me. Um, and, you know, Ben, you and I are longtime Star Trek fans. There's a lot of just there episodes of Star Trek where if it's on, <laughs> we will definitely not turn the channel, but, you know, we'll be on our phone or whatever. Um, yeah. There are a lot of episodes of Trek that are like that. And this kind of, I think, just happens to be one of them, which, uh, look, uh, to me, is a happy side effect of the fact that they're not doing a giant arc this season. They have the arc of the burn, but, like, it's not at the crux of every episode. It kind of is to the degree that it's, like, you know, in the background, of the events that are going on. Like the stuff that happened to Booker's planet is probably a result of the burn, but it's, you know, it's not like um, everything is driving it. It's sort of, they're quietly going towards it. Um, It's, it's a slower than Patricia Quinn burn. Yeah. Yeah, If anything, it's more evocative of deep space nine where they would have big arcs, but they would have a lot of in between stuff that, you know, that stuff was still going on, but it wasn't, it didn't have to be centered around it every single episode. Right. Um, like, it doesn't have to be a giant movie that they split into, you know, 12 episodes or whatever. Um, as a result, you do get an episode like this where this was kind of just there. Um, they had a big two-parter coming up. Normally, we would probably talk more about the thing with Philippa, but... We're going to be talking about the next episode in just a minute. And that episode dealt with that heavily. So there's really no point in speculating on it since we already know a lot more about it given the, the next highlight episode. Of, the highlight of this episode, though, mm-hmm. was the, I don't know, maybe EF plot of um, Saru's catchphrase. Let's just deal with that. So, <gasps> Oh, I've forgotten which, about that entirely. That was so good. Well, yeah, like, so, like, the plot above that in the alphabet is um, Book and Michael's relationship, and, you know, kind of, yeah, whatever. Like, what will happen will happen. Yeah. But, yeah, important here. Ultimately, at the end of this episode, he sort of settles on carry on, which makes through <laughs> the most British captain ever. So good. And, and I'm love- here the hell for carry on. <laughs> carry on. Uh, warp, warp, warp five. Carry on. Carry on. Uh, I, oh, I love it. I love it. It's so good. Um, As you I, were. Lo- I love that they had a pad and they were going through options. Like you need a thing. Like and it was Tilly, who's kind of like, kind of like the quasi faux Star Trek fan, who's like, all the captains have a thing. You need a thing. 
Uh, he's like but they've made Saru and Tilly a kind of Laurel and Hart <laughs> episode, which bit. is... I mean, it's not the function. I still raise my and continue to raise my objections about her as a first officer for yes. all of the reasons that are to do with plot rather than to do with the fact that yeah. she's a woman, which is, again, angry, angry internet. Stop yes. it. Well, um, but she's yeah. so enjoyable. I am. Mm. Lo- I'm sorry, Ben. I love her and Saru together. I think they're mm. a great pair. Oh, I loved her and Saru, but yeah. when we get into the next episode, I'll explain what. But anyway, <laughs> um, carry, carry on. And her the dialogue between her and Saru over the catchphrase is is so, fucking gold. So it's good. Uh, so to good. to go up a couple of other levels in in a uh, couple of other alphabetic plot levels. Uh, there was one other thing in this episode, if I'm not mistaken, that I, although I still have not looked, I'm just going to ins- assume enraged a lot of people. If I'm not mistaken, Ben, I do believe uh, this was the pronouns episode of my Star Trek. My brother, Discovery. I'm sorry, I know he listens to the show. My brother had a rant at me about this, mm-hmm. and I'm disappointed in him for this. He did eventually back down, but this is um, the the conversation. And here's my problem with it. It was between our trans character, or at least non-binary character, and Adira, yes. um, and our two gay characters. Yes. I mean, I've mentioned this before on the show that why is it only us having this conversation? Mm-hmm. Um, eh, right. So it was ham-fisted, right? Oh, to, absolutely. To, to go, wait, your pronouns are these things? Yeah, they sure are. And then okay, they, and then they go on to say them that in future. Yes. Excellent. Right, but here's the thing. And that was my brother's problem with it, which I get because yes, it was unfisted. Sure. But here's the thing: if they didn't have that conversation right now, where we are in 2020, if you're listening mm-hmm. to this in 3020, this must seem very odd to you. Also, <laughs> yes. why are you listening to a, this from anyway? It doesn't matter. I mean, I'll be um, very flattered. I would just like to say, my corpse, very flattered that this is still yeah. being listened to that long into the future. I, I, yeah, I mean, well done you. Um, <laughs> but no, here's the thing: so it is unfisted, and yes, it's it it's odd that they do it this way. But if they didn't, and it, and the pronoun or pronouns kept slipping in into future dialogue, yeah, that's going to jar people. And yeah. you got to remember, TV is storytelling. So yeah. if you're not going to just deal with that and go, by the way, people, let's just get this out of the way. These are the pronouns. Get the fuck on with it. Yeah, sometimes kind of ham-fisted yeah. way. Then sometimes it's you have to put on and on. Yeah, sometimes you got to put streamers on the air conditioner to let people know that air is blowing from Beautiful. it. Beautiful central air is evil, um, but still, <laughs> I learned that from dogma. Um, yes. um, yeah, there's no yeah, you know, there's no apt. greater sin than central air. Yes, absolutely. Um, um, <laughs> but no, you you are absolutely right. This is the ripping off of the bandaid. It is central. It's all these things to go. This is what we're doing now. And everyone goes, yeah. okay, this is what we're doing. Excellent. Yeah. And now let's just move the fuck on. And, yeah. and spoilers for future you person who's listening. Yeah. They do just move the fuck on after yeah. this. It's fine. And I, I feel like I'm the aberration here, but even scenes like this still get to me. Like, mm-hmm. especially when I read about other people's experiences. So, Jesus, yeah. for example, uh, for example, uh, something that, number one, something that hits home for me, but then again, 
uh, I'll give another example where uh, that ties into this episode where it doesn't directly impact me, but it had the same effect. So, for example, you talked about something that was ham-fisted. We can uh, like make reference to uh, that scene in Avengers Endgame where all of the women superheroes like uh, magically appear at the same time to all team up to fight the bad guys. And a lot of people are like, oh my God, can you believe that they just like chucked all of that in our faces or whatever? Um, like, yeah, they sort of just, it sort of felt you could argue that it felt forced in there. However, I mean, it totally was. Yeah, but then, well, why like, have you got a problem with it? The problem is you. Sorry. Yeah, like, but then, uh, and even even in the theater, I'm like, well, that felt a little forced. But all I had to do was look like two seats over to see my ten year old daughter, whose face was lit the exactly. fuck up. Exactly. She was like, "Oh my, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen." And immediately, like immediately, I melt. Like that's just it for me. Like I can't take um, it anymore. And heterosexual, like, cisgendered. Yeah. Um, now I love that. Scene. People, no, hang, hang on, dude. I, I'm going to say, as you know, I'm the token representative in the cinema weekly yeah. um, world for the LGBTQ plus community. Yes. When I say, ladies and gentlemen, and other. This is what a fucking ally sounds like. It's someone who recognizes <laughs> yes. that where you're not being represented or visible mm -hmm. in the world, yeah. when you look and find someone who realizes that yeah. they now are, yeah. that is the point of this. Yeah. So if that's not you, that's fine. It's not your moment. You can have yeah. all your other moments. Yeah. What, what Tony's just saying is the reason why this stuff has to happen. Yeah. And just chill the fuck out the about same, it. The same thing happened here. Um, which is, um, you know, which is to say that in this episode, there is like, there's the talk between Adira and, um, and Stamets. And then eventually also, uh, Culber as well. Right. They talk mm -hmm. about the pronouns. And then later there is a scene where, uh, Adira is like asleep at their, uh, at their workstation and mm -hmm. Hugh and Paul, uh, talk about them and they're using them and they and their like you know like all of the the pronouns that Adira would prefer because they are non-binary and like this doesn't bother me like I know that they like shoved it in there like it felt like a teachable you know like a teachable moment right but you've nailed it you've nailed it exactly there so that's the point, isn't it? Mm -hmm. That people go, oh, well, you can't say anything these days. Oh, well, well, what am I supposed to say? Yeah. Here's the thing is that, like, first of all, like, if you get something, in inverted commas, wrong yeah. in terms of that and it's accidental, there ain't a non-binary or trans person in the world who is going to give you grief for it. Yeah. Um, if you deliberately misgender someone, then y'all can expect some shit because you deserve it. So here's the, like uh, I don't know if like on the week of recording, i.e., that is to say, what are we today? The uh, something of December 2020. Yeah. There's been a big thing between Sam Smith and uh, some the person in pop music. I wish I remembered. Um, and the other person in pop music, don't remember his name. Mm -hmm. um, uh, misgendered Sam Smith, and yeah. Sam Smith has been known as um, gender neutral pronoun or by gender neutral pronouns for a long time now mm -hmm. and all the press went nuts saying you know oh sam smith declares war on such and such <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. and then there's a brilliant article I, I, it was weird actually it was in something like the metro which normally like produces you know quite in, inflammatory garbage um 
published a Twitter exchange between them saying, Sam Smith says, hey, that's cool. I realize you didn't do it deliberately. Learning difficult and that's yeah. fine. I still love you, honey. And that's the end of that. Yeah. And that's all it takes. So don't worry. And if you're watching Star Trek and feeling confused by it all, this yeah. was a teachable moment. And yeah. No one's going to shout at you unless you do it deliberately to be an asshole. And then revert back to previous rule from all sorts of previous podcasts. Stop being an asshole. Yes. I mean, Here ended the sermon. Yeah. And, and look, to dial it back to that conversation and to tie it into the thing with the, the Avengers thing, I, I did try to venture out because I figured there would be a lot of backlash and I was dreading mm. it. But most of what I saw... You messaged me about it at the time. (laughs) Yes. I'm like, oh, man, have you seen it yet? Like, there's going to be a thing that people are going to be mad about. Um, Mm. But at the time that I went looking, I saw mostly only positive messages. And the one one thing that got me was somebody's like, um, you know, I'm gay. I've been watching Star Trek for as long as I can remember. And you have no idea what it means to me to see two gay characters talking about a non-binary character using non-binary pronouns. Like, yeah, and that's all, that, that's, all, that's all it takes for me is to, mm-hmm. I can easily put myself in that person's shoes to like watch the thing that you've loved your whole life. And they, and all they're saying here is, Hey, you exist. Like, yeah. and that means I'm the visible. fucking world. You see me. I, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's a simple I, I, thing. I remember when Chorus Folk, which we were talking about on another show that we recorded, uh, when that appeared in TV in a year that I don't care to remember, because yeah. it would mean that I was old. And that was that was a young gay man who grew up in a yeah. kind of homophobic environment suddenly going, oh, hello. Mm-hmm. And yeah, visibility doesn't mean much to you, maybe. And that's fine. Great. Like, yeah. count your privilege. That's that, not a problem for Most you. Most people have oh. never had to worry about it, yes. Exactly. Exactly that. And, you know, fucking well done, Star Trek, as always, being progressive mm-hmm. and sometimes having to write it large, but now they will move on. And yeah. well, that's why I fucking love this show. Quite honestly, I feel like they're this year uh, this season in particular but mm. even the last couple of years of discovery as well and even a little bit of picard this has kind of just been the rubber band effect because for years star trek has uh, there's you know many stories of how they have tried to be much more open about their progressive nature but you know network restrictions and things mm. like that you know like things would get changed the things would have to become more ambiguous um you know they're going to do a, a non-gendered species but Riker's going to fall in love with one of them, but we need to make sure that the person cast is a female. So this way, you know what I mean? Oh, it's Stuff not like gay. that. Right, right, right. Riker likes non-gender specific aliens. Yes. Hashtag no homo. Yes. Like you've, like, you know, they've tried and this, this sort of feels like the rubber banding effect where they're like, yeah. we don't have to anymore. We can just do it. And they're just going big in some instances. And yeah, it's a little force fed, especially yeah. for people who don't need to be force fed it. And they're hoping that people who do need it force fed are watching. I don't think that they are, but well, I hope that they are. Well, no, and I've gone way off point, recorded mm-hmm. pod jockeys earlier, and therefore I was on gin. But here's the point <laughs> is that that's the great thing about this episode is that, like you say, and I also made the same assumptions that Star Trek fans were probably not assholes. But yeah. then go to like Facebook forums, Reddit's, whatever else, and read through. Um, Twitter's not been so bad actually, weirdly. Mm. But go to those two and read through the the, the forums um, uh, and, and groups about this, and yeah. you will see so many people going, "Oh, 
Mm. It's science fiction. Why does it have to be political? Star Trek's never been political. Why is it shoving this down off right now? And here's the thing, guys. If you're still now in 2020, and I'm looking forward to you guys. Hello, future listener in 3020. If you're still, because that'll still be happening in 3020, you'll know that. Um, If you're still watching this going, Star Trek's never been political. Yes. Yes, it has. Since the beginning. And forevermore. And the fact that you're just getting the fact that they're having to really shove this in your face yes. indicates that this is why it still needs to be political. The Star Trek has been political since they put a black woman on the bridge in the 60s and put a Russian on the mm. bridge in the middle of the Red Scare. Like, and sometimes, Actually, you know and sometimes Ben, I don't know if you've yeah. noticed, but even in that original series, sometimes they were even a little ham-fisted in their political commentary, what? like the half-black, half-white species. What? Talking about people who might be Caucasian or, or in some way dark-skinned or, or, I don't know, like like occasionally racists say, I don't care if you're black, white, or, or green. I don't have a problem with you. <laughs> Wait, you see these slaves who are forced to work in subservient <laughs> yes. roles? There's... They, they've got green skin. Yes. Uh, that's, that's not politics. They literally had yeah. an episode, Ben, where a member of Kirk's bridge crew said something racist, and Kirk called him out for being racist. Right. In the 60s. So, I know. Here's the thing, though. Star Trek's viewers are a mixed bag because that's network television. I know mm. you. I know that I spoke to you earlier on, listener, but I know you're fine. But there are other people who are not. And so yeah. hopefully you're cheering along with us. And if you're not, and if you're that, if you're that guy, Shh, it's okay. It's okay. The world's changed. It doesn't yeah. affect you. You're yeah. fine. Mm-hmm. Anyway, also, uh, also, go. fuck off, maybe. Also, uh, develop some fucking empathy and grow up, uh, you uh, fucking incel. Yes, Because it's not going to be a woman, let's be honest. No. Uh, so, anyway, that's a long way short of saying I gave this episode a three and a half, Ben. So did I. <laughs> <laughs> we did the scoring quick. We're efficient on no. Okay, let's talk about season three, episode nine, Terra Firma, part one. So Hugh Culber is visited by uh, Kovich, who is a mysterious Starfleet operative, played by David Cronenberg. Um, he explains that since Philippa has both traveled through time and from a different universe, the Mirror Universe, Um, Her molecules have moved too far from their origin, and she is now likely to die, which is terrible news. Um, Like when a northerner goes to London for British (laughs) listeners. (laughs) Uh, Consulting with Discovery's computer and the sphere data, um, Colbert believes that Giorgio could possibly be saved by traveling to the uninhabited planet of Danis V. Why? Well, maybe we'll get there. Uh, Stamets. Why? <laughs> Stamets. Oh. <laughs> You're imagining Ben in the background in that room. Why, <laughs> Why though? Why? How, how come? Sir? You carry on. So sorry, it's my problem. I'll turn the microphone off. <laughs> Stamets and Adira use the SB19 data to trace the source of the burn to a nebula and discover a a distress signal from a Kelpian starship. Meanwhile, on Danis V, Giorgio and Burnham encounter a strange being named Carl, who may or may not be the Carl from the movie Up. I haven't decided yet. Hey, Carl! Carl! (laughs) Crossover episode with Walking Dead. Yes. Coral, I believe it's pronounced. Coral. Uh, 
uh, well, he directs them, uh, well, directs Giorgio to a door. And on the other side, she finds herself back in the mirror universe in her own time where she is the emperor of the Terran Empire. And Giorgio finds that her time with Discovery has changed her. She uses her knowledge of the past to alter certain events, including rescuing the slave Saru and sparing the life of the treacherous Michael Burnham. Uh, what did you think of Terra Firma Part 1, Ben? Oh, good lord. I like well, this. I really like this. I mean, it's a lot so, of Giorgio, so yes. It's well, basically it's the thing, isn't it? And I, I love it because of this very solid reason. It always oh, some proper Star Trek, isn't it? Absolutely. It, it's, well, we don't really care about big, you know, multi-episode stories. I mean, yes, it's all in there and you can all pick bits out of it. And that's a lot mm. of fun. But this is about a single character reverting to a thing we know about, i.e. the mirror universe and Terrence and stuff, via a person who, well, let's throw a bit of mystery in there, could be a Q, but also could be, I've worked it out, six other different species. Yeah. Um, or possibly a figment of um, Control's imagination, well, not Control, sorry, the Sphere's imagination. Yeah. That's one of the six. Um, but probably a Q. I'd like honest. to think it's just a Q, yeah. I mean, it should be, Q but there are like other options. <laughs> oh, love it. Carl Q, with a Q. Q-A-R-L. I love it. Um, but no, this is fucking fabulous. And um, it, I mean, if you don't love Philippa already, then mm-hmm. this sh- should be that episode, presumably, for you, yeah. where you go, oh, no, she's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you, oh, I mean, the, the interesting bits about this are, like, you can pick apart all the things. So the planet's name, so Dunnus 5... Um, there's a, a writer of DS9 at least and I think maybe next gen called Richard Danis mm-hmm. and I would like to pretend that I'm the guy who went back and researched why that's relevant but I just happened to remember there was a writer called Richard Danis mm-hmm. and it feels like the way that they write Discovery now that's going to mean something so if you're a listener and, yeah. and know what the hell he wrote then go back and have a look and mm-hmm. tell us because that's probably going to give us a clue as to what the future is um, there are so many things in this I love. It, it's again, it's pretty because we have mm. to say that because it's just a fact. Yeah. Um, and this, I, what I really like about this is it shows me a little bit. It gives me a bit of faith in the bridge crew actors because what we do see in this episode is instead of them doing the traditional Star Trek thing of like ramming, this is this member of the bridge crew. Let me tell you more about this person. Yes. What they do is, it's a lovely bit of storytelling, is they go, here's the Terran universe, here's the opposite of this member of the bridge crew who you've known a bit about but not a lot. Mm-hmm. So we see, I mean, everyone loves Killy, right? Everyone loves I mean, Captain Killy. I love Killy way more than I love actual Tilly, yeah. um, which I think is also true of well, George. Okay, let me rephrase. I think yeah, I, I liked Tilly I liked I liked real mirror universe Tilly, but I think I actually like Prime Tilly pretending to be Mirror Tilly more than uh, I like Mirror Tilly. Can I pick you up on that? Because here's <laughs> yeah. the thing, right? And you know what I'm gonna say mm-hmm. is in George in Emperor George's universe, yes. they are prime universe. Th- that is fair. And she does say that actually, by the way, in this episode. I know. She's like, I- you're the mirror ones to me. I mean I loved that line. It was so powerful because what they did was take the like the the whole fan 
speak thing yes. that develops around Star Trek and went, yeah, I'm just going to throw that back in and go, now, I know you're calling this the Mirror Universe, because that's been a thing for a long time. Yeah. But no, you just need to consider that that's... I mean, it's, it's again, it's following the idea of subversion, with, yeah. which is big with CBS. In yeah. fact, not just Star Trek, actually. They're doing it with a lot of stuff at the minute. If we go to an um, alien planet, we're the aliens to the aliens that, you know, like we think they're aliens, but they're like, no, you you guys are the aliens. Yeah. And, you yeah. Know, think on. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's so much love in it. There is... Um, yes. There's so many throwbacks. There's so many explanations. So the, oh, my the, God. Oh, the Kelpian... Um, there's a reference the right place. at the beginning of this episode that I did not see them referencing. Uh, right at the beginning, remind me. So at the beginning, when Culber is meeting with Kovich and they're talk, he's talking about <sighs> what's wrong with Giorgio, he brings up another Starfleet officer that Ooh. they show a hologram of, and he's in a kind of like futurist, not too long past next gen, after Voyager, probably around the Picard or slightly after time. Please ignore um, the badge, incidentally, as well. But yes, yes, which I do believe they've now since replaced digitally. They have, uh, but uh, they note that uh, Kovic notes that this guy he was from an alternate timeline as well, one that was created by a Romulan mining ship. So well done, CBS. Canonizing and recognizing the Kelvin timeline, the three J.J. Abrams movies. Uh, so tying well tying all of that in there, and that's crazy. Uh, which, by the way, also, if you want to have fun with it, and Star Trek fans absolutely will, that now opens the loophole that anybody from that Kelvin universe can appear in any of these oh, shows now. Oh yes. So okay. you could get like Quinto's pot or like Quinto Spock or Pine anyone Spock else or anything rooting like that. for Quinto. I, I mean, I know I am. Or, uh, I mean, I'm sure he'll probably do it. I mean, he does all sorts of TV now. Uh, let's yeah. get Carl Urban's Dr. McCoy in there. Oh, so Ugh, pretty please. Right? But yeah, I mean, I love that reference. Yeah. I, I, there's so much that's, that's artful. I, I, maybe that's the right word. There's so much that's artful about mm -hmm. this episode that, uh, I, I, you know, they, they know where to pull to get your attention so the constant references to Lorca's coup we all yes we obviously we all know what happened in the original yes. version of that timeline in their version of the timeline mm -hmm. and you know we can all smell a redemption art when we when we smell one we, we yes. know that this is a point to change thing it's, it's all gone a bit quantum leap she can yep. change what went wrong blah, blah, blah. but none of that even matters to me and so it, mm. I mean yeah all of that's relevant but it's more to do with the fact that this is an exploration of characters in yes. a way that's actually interesting. Yes, it's yes. a bit contrived. It's more than a bit contrived. Oh, sure. Honest. But but then Star Trek is good at that. Mm -hmm. it, 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 everything about this is is telling you something a bit more about things you care about. Yes. Whether it's about um, and the obvious route is obviously about um, about the Empress. But uh, who incidentally can I just say, Georgiou such I mean a depth of character that we haven't seen in Star Trek in a very long time and if, you, if you ain't getting yeah if you're not getting the depth of character yet then mm -hmm. like watch again um, Burnham who I won't lie I, I wasn't sure I had that much faith in as the effectively the lead narrative through mm -hmm. the show because that's how it was sold to us if you remember yeah. all those times she does feel less and less like the lead this season though well 
Mm, I I agree that she, she's not she the is, carrier of the A plot, but she's yeah. she is getting she's more. Yeah, she is getting more time than most of the other characters, but it feels like they have stepped up the storytelling yeah, for everybody. She's else. giving us way more exposition than most of the other. Yes, and and I think that's maybe what mm-hmm. perhaps was meant by like it doesn't follow a captain. It does. It's not about one person. Yeah, she's giving us she's giving us the door into various bits of 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 what's happening that we don't normally see in Star Trek. Yeah, and I, I mean David Cronenberg. I, I will say this like. When I thought Cronenberg was doing the one episode kind of cameo thing, I was like, oh, okay, that was okay. And wouldn't it be fun if we saw more of him doing, you know, maybe the the Section Thirty One thing or whatever mm-hmm. else? And now we see him um, like Kovic is now a full on character and kind of yeah, like a regular person with with Kolber. And I I like that interaction. I mean, there was mm-hmm. a lot buried in there for full on nerds, and I'm not going to dig that deep because there's so much buried in that narrative about people they mentioned and what happened and stuff but um, Cronenberg is has become, uh, or Kovic I should say has become an interesting character and I I kind of hope that we do get a bit more of the explanation as yeah. to why Kovic knows so much about this Yes, um, and I'm sure we will mm. what do you think though Anthony about the, the overall arc here because I know like they're moving away from big arcs, or at least trying to. Mm-hmm. What do you, what do you think is going on with, like tying? Like, do you think that? Well, no. The question is, do you think they will tie together the A plot and the B plot? So the the burn side of it and the um, uh, like uh, the mirror um, universe stuff, or the the the, the problem with Joshu. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I mean, is there a type coming? A conc- and, and of course, Osiris bring those three things together, or is it too early to say? I mean, maybe. I mean, we're getting close to the end, right? We've got mm. the second half of this episode, which is uh, next week, and then there's three episodes left in the season. Yeah, um, that'll carry us through uh, to January seventh. I think is the the last yeah. episode, and I mean, maybe like we're we are talking about a lot of time and space stuff and maybe we've got some sort of weird almost i want to say i don't know when you when you said that the first thing that i thought of was um all good things the finale of star trek the next generation where you've got like the three ships uh converging in three different timelines uh to try to stop something from happening um when they were separate in doing it, it's the thing that caused the problem to begin with. But when they were together, they were able to to close it. And maybe there's something going on here that causes it. Um, I mean, that that mirrors the the plot of the the Georges part very yes. heavily. Yeah. Yes. And like maybe there's something going on here that you know maybe Giorgio is the cause of it. Um, it's or is in some way playing a part in it. It's hard to say for sure, but it is a thing that they decided to bring this up. Like, they didn't have to bring this up. She could have been absolutely fine. They, they didn't have to bring up a thing about how her molecules have strayed too far from their origin. And it's causing cool. a problem. Yeah. Now, maybe maybe this is just a story they want to do to help facilitate Giorgio's uh, uh, character growth. And maybe that's all it is. But it's also possible that maybe it is tied into the bigger thing, because honestly, there has not been a whole lot of movement on the burn thing. They've been mm. slowly getting there, 
But then this sort of big thing sort of popped up in the middle of it. So maybe it is tied together. Um, I loved all of the stuff in this episode. I love the character growth they've shown with her so far. I mean, the, even the thing with Tilly, where she kind of half accepted Tilly's hug. And Tilly would not have hugged Giorgio before because she nice. was terrified of her. Um, but you know, she called Saru Captain, which was a, mm-hmm. like a wonderful moment because was, I won't lie, that was a moment for me. Yes, I mean, mm. if you're not watching the show, like and they ate Kelpians in the Mirror Universe. They were a delicacy. They were slaves, and then when they were done being slaved, uh, they were then eaten. And you know, for her but to incidentally spoilers, listeners, if you've not, I know every episode I go and read. Yeah. Um, there's a reference in like a, it's to do with that part of it about um, she says she'd rather die standing. Yeah. Um, which is I won't ruin as to why that's a reference to the thing you've just said, but mm-hmm. go and read "Die Standing" by John Jackson Miller. Yeah. I mean, it's right there in the name. Yep. Um, for an explanation as to perhaps where that part of the story might be going. Yeah, and they, um, it's her character has come a long way, and it's. And it's crazy uh, because she started out this show playing Prime Universe Giorgio, who is also a good character, but mm. nowhere near as interesting as this one has been. Right. Uh, so, like, wow, what a run she's had in Star Trek already. And it's only been three seasons. Uh, and have you yet learned her most imperial majesty, mother of the fatherland, overlord of Vulcan, dominus of Conos, Regina Randor, Philippo Giorgio Augustus, Eoponus Centaurus... <laughs> um, Philippa, as I like to call her. Yes. <laughs> or Phil no, for, her, for her closest friends, yeah. All right, Philly, how you doing? <laughs> no, I like that she's the mother of the fatherland. Um, mother that's... of dragon. Sorry, wrong one. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, keeper of the f- of the flame. Uh, could be uh, keep, keeper of the faith. I don't know. She could be taking Liz 2 for a spin. <laughs> Who knows? Um. King, King of the Andals, uh, sure. I, I think I don't, something, something else. I, yeah. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I love the title. It's ridiculously long, and I love it every time I hear it. Right, it's tremendous, and I love that they all. I love that they all say it. A uh, fun fact: uh, Hannah Cheesman was in this episode playing Arium, and she confirmed on Twitter that she was in fact Mirror Arium is not cybernetic. It is, yeah. So that was interesting. Yes. I mean, it's convenient because of the allergy to makeup, but yes. um, Yeah. I quite like that. That's a fun fact. That was really. I want to know what she's got on the people who make the show because, like, they have (laughs) bent over backwards. Yes, they have. Like, like, they've double Madonna'd in order to keep her in the show. And I'm guessing there must be a reason. Yes. She's got got something on them for sure. I was going to say, the the security (laughs) chief on the Sharon called Owo. Yes. Like, sounds so much like Odo. That is just weird. Constable Owo. Yeah. Just saying. I mean, like, um, there are so many, like, so many weird references in this episode that, like, you could think, like, the hesitated thing. So, talking about um, uh, the Provident Daedalus? Daedalus, yes. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things. There's things like buried in reference to the titles and the new phases. There's, oh yeah. I mean, there's a billion things mm-hmm. buried in this episode that are like they they talk about prefix codes. 
Yes, oh my so god, cute. I haven't heard them talk about prefix codes That's since, Rotho like... Khan shit right yeah. there. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, you know, I kind of think, 0161, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's so much stuff buried in here that is is super fun to Star Trek nerds. Yep. A lot of it is obviously misdirection, clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, oh god, they continue, this is my thing, they continue to do this right. They're yeah. throwing enough bones to the Star Trek nerds they are um, giving enough stuff to... I, I know a number of people... Actually, I'd be interested to know if you've got the same thing. So many people I know who are new people watching Star Trek because mm-hmm. it's on Netflix who are well into this even though they don't have the faintest idea what anyone's talking about. And uh, for a show that can bring them along yeah. whilst also like satisfying people like like you and me and, uh, and you, listener. You, yes, you. On, on the, are you on the train? How lovely for you. Um, <laughs> I have yeah, not but, had that experience because we don't have it on Netflix really? here. Yeah, so oh, of course, yeah, it's all on CBS Ooh. All Access. In fact, the only thing that's close to this is that um, uh, Captain Aurora Bubaloo has been talking to me about how she has been watching Voyager. She's never watched Voyager, mm-hmm. um, so she's been watching Voyager on Netflix and she's really enjoying it. She just hates Tom Paris. So yeah, Captain, everyone does. Yeah, don't worry, it's fine. <laughs> Even he kind of did. To be fair, the actor who played him oh, was yeah. not a big fan. I've been listening to the podcast. I mean, I know we're going off Excellent. the rails here, but I've been listening yep. to the podcast, and it's really good. For, for listeners who don't remember, go back to last week's episode, and you'll know what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah we're not gonna we're not gonna plug them. They don't need nope. our help. Uh, Screw you, Harry Kim. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, Garrett Wong, and uh, what? Why uh, do you get Robert, cry again? Robert Duncan McNeil. Yes. I mean, I was just happy on that podcast that they mentioned that he was on Masters of the Universe. I know! Which made me right? very happy. <laughs> um, well, anyway, Ben, we should probably give our final thoughts yes, on this episode of Star Trek and and uh, tell everybody what, what we gave it. Um, give I, me your numbers. Uh, I love this episode. I gave it four and a quarter. This has got to stop happening. Mm-hmm. Four and a quarter. Yes, there we go. Right. It was a great. I mean, I was I was thinking maybe four and a half, but I'm like, look, this is the first part of a two parter. Also, what I did. Yes, this is, this is the longest run up to our. Wiki. I mean, I've enjoyed the persiflage of it all, but it, it's a mm-hmm. run up to the wicket I think I've ever had. So, yes, there you go. Same score at least. Uh, I cannot wait for next week's episode, and that so. means everybody, uh, we'll have no choice but to. So in the meantime, uh, head on over to cinemageekly.com where you can check out the archives of the show. And of course, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Just search for I'm a Doctor, Not a Podcast. Hit subscribe. And that way you can come back next time to hear us talk about more Discovery Season 3, Episode 10, Terra Firma, Part 2.